Yo, 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 what's going on, millionaires? You're listening to the Million Dollar Mind podcast, episode 94 on keys to organizational leadership. My name is Alicia Butler Pierre. I am the founder and CEO of Equilibria Incorporated, and I am known for processes, business processes to be exact. The audience can expect to hear things about why it's so important to pay attention to your operations if you really want to expand and and have that abundance mindset that, that Kai speaks about so often. Make sure you keep listening to the show so that you can get all of the juicy details and let's, let's get it started. For our listeners, welcome back to the Million Dollar Mind podcast. I'm your guy, Kai Speaks, and this is your guide to accumulating abundance in your life. This is the only place for tips and tricks on identifying your passions and attracting opportunities to make a living while living your dreams. Now, with that said, I am super Super, super excited to have this conversation with today's guest. Uh, she is a two-time Amazon bestseller, uh, known for, with her book, Behind the Facade, and that's how to structure your company operations for sustainable success. Also, very interesting fact, a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt, certified in organizational leadership. So you can see why uh, Alicia was a great candidate for having this conversation on keys to organizational leadership. And then lastly, as she mentioned, she is the CEO of Equilibria Inc., a 15-year-old operation management firm here. So I don't want to, you know, chat too much about, you know, some of these uh, lofty achievements of yours, uh, Alicia. <laughs> why don't you, you know, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and, you know, just how you became the Alicia Butler-Pierre that you are today? Oh, wow. Well, I I wish I could tell you it was all carefully crafted and well thought out, Kai, but but it wasn't. (laughs) My my life story, honestly, especially as it relates to my professional endeavors, is, is really just being open to opportunities and understanding that sometimes people see things in you that you might not even see in yourself. And what's, what's so funny, my very first career choice was journalism. I wanted to be a journalist. And in fact, when I worked on my, when I was in high school, I worked on my, my school's newspaper and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I remember when I started applying for college, I was also really good in chemistry. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll go to college and I'll get a degree in chemistry. And my chemistry teacher told me, you'll never make any money. You'll have to go all the way up to the PhD level if you really want to make some money, Alicia. Why don't you think about chemical engineering? And I didn't know a thing about engineering, to be honest with you. I didn't know any engineers personally. But yet I put that that was going to be my major (laughs) in in college. And lo and behold, went to college, finished with a degree in chemical engineering. And I worked in industry for about seven or eight years, Kai. And what's interesting about chemical engineers is that we, we typically work as process engineers or design engineers. I primarily worked as a process engineer. And what that means is, Whenever we're making product, if you have certain specifications that that product has to meet, and for whatever reason, it doesn't meet those specifications, as the process engineer, I have to go back and figure out what went wrong in producing a certain batch of that product for it to not meet those specifications. So that's, that's where my background in processes really originated. Mm-hmm. And I knew very quickly that I did not want to be in a plant, a chemical plant or an oil refinery for the rest of my career. So I went back to business school. I, I was working full time during the day, going to school at night. And I, once I finished up my MBA, I relocated to Atlanta, Georgia. So I was in New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, relocated to Atlanta where I knew one person. So here's talking about believing in yourself and having that million dollar mindset. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's, that's why I love, I love the, I love everything you're doing, by the way, with your show oh, and, and with your, with your book and, and your website and all of the amazing things that you're doing, because I happen to be reading a lot of books about success, abundance, having that mind, why your mindset is so important in determining your future. And I, I felt like a caged bird, Kai, when I was in New Orleans. And, and I know that probably sounds crazy to people because I was in my 20s. It's a party city. And trust me, I had a great time. But I realized that I could only advance to a certain level while I was there. Mm-hmm. And I came here to Atlanta, Georgia. I knew one person at the time. Didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I had to get the heck out of New Orleans. I listened to my inner voice. I listened to my intuition, that gut feeling that I needed to get out. And lo and behold, six months after I moved here to Atlanta, Hurricane Katrina happened. And when I first moved here, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was amazed by all of the large companies that are here, Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines, UPS, Chick-fil-A. I mean, you, you know, you name it, they, they have some type of presence here in, in this, in this city. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'm going to get a job working at Coca-Cola. Why wouldn't they want to hire me? I have this engineering degree, a newly minted MBA. They're going to knock down my door trying to get to me. Well, there are a lot of smart people here. (laughs) There are a lot of really talented, smart, highly capable, very ambitious people in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I realized after about two months of what seemed to be endless job searching that I needed to redirect that time, effort, and energy that I was spending looking for a job, working for someone else, and redirect that time, effort, and energy into creating an opportunity for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's how my company, Equilibria, was born. So I, I don't know if that was everything that you wanted to know, but, but hopefully that gives your listeners uh, some insight into how this company came about. I wish I could tell you that I, I started this company intentionally and that I I did always know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and own my own business. I've always known that, but I never knew that it would be this, what I'm right. doing right now. Right. And most times we, we, it, it was, once you step into that unknown, pretty much once you left New Orleans to, you know, come to Atlanta and stepped into that world of unknown, it's very hard to even really, you know, get a full grasp on, you know, what's, what's going to, you know, unfold with this decision. But mm-hmm. like you said earlier, you had that faith. And another thing that you mentioned was the feeling of being that caged bird back home. And yes. that stuck yes. out to me because that wasn't, um, that was actually exactly how I felt, you know, being from Philadelphia, as soon as mm-hmm. I graduated from uh, Chain University, which is right outside of Philadelphia, I had that same feeling. I felt like it was going to be next to impossible for me to grow to the level that I wanted to grow to if I, you know, continue to be in the, in this environment. And so I originally moved to, to Miami, Florida, and then I ended up in Atlanta also, but that was based off of, you know, the decision uh, of my wife wanting to take a, a, you know, have some faith in herself and, you know, switch uh, occupations. So I was just like, Hey, I'm, I'm up for it. I heard great things about Atlanta. So let's, you know, let's embark on this journey together. So I appreciate you sharing that as well. And I'm sure a lot of people can really, um, you know, mirror that or can really relate to that. So what I want to hear a little bit more about is the reinvention process that you went through Mm -hmm. transitioning from chemical engineer to this business infrastructure specialist that, uh, that so many people know you as How, 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 what was that like? So what happened, Kai, is when I started my company, and, and I, should, I should probably mention the fact that I was reading different books and watching documentaries and self-help, self-improvement type things, and everything at that moment when I was making that decision to, to relocate, everything I happened to read or, or watch spoke about the fact that we are all blessed with natural skills, talents, and abilities. Mm -hmm. But through a period of indoctrination, 
i.e. our school system, our educational system, we're really taught to get a career working and, and get a job working for someone else. We aren't necessarily encouraged to be self-sufficient, autonomous entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're taught. So all of the books that I was reading at that time, and, and I wanted to, I, th I think it's important to mention that because as a result of me reading so many of those types of books, through my own period of, of soul searching, I was wondering, well, well, what is my natural skill, talent, and ability? And it's actually organizing. No matter what job I had, whether I was flipping burgers as a teenager or, <laughs> or uh, tracing a pipeline in a chemical plant, mm -hmm. I, was, I excelled in my different jobs, Kai, not because I was the smartest person in the room, but because I was very organized. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to start a professional organizing company. So that's actually how Equilibria originated. Mm -hmm. And who would have known there's there's actually a national association of professional organizers i had no idea i just happened to go online and do some searching and stumbled across this organization they had a relatively low membership fee so i signed up for a membership fee i went to an office depot bought those uh, avery business cards where you can put them through your inkjet printer i made up i made up some cheesy business cards and I said, you know what, let's, let's make this happen. I started looking up different chambers of commerce and other networking events throughout the city. And I just showed up with my little inkjet printed business cards in hand. And I said, I have a professional organizing company. It's called Equilibria. This is what I do. Didn't have a website or anything. Mm -hmm. And the way I initially built the business was through bartering. Because remember, I didn't know anyone here. Right. I didn't go to school here. I didn't, it wasn't as though I had once worked for someone here and, and then decided to, to quit or I was, you know, or I resigned or whatever, or was fired, laid off. I came here fresh. I came here cold, just like you did. Um, not a lot of contacts. And so this was my way of, of building up a clientele. And what I would ask in exchange was, if I come and organize your home office, I just ask that I have the ability to take before and after pictures and that you give me a testimonial and introduce me to someone else who could utilize my professional organizing services. Mm -hmm. That's how I started to build up a clientele. The way it evolved into business infrastructure is very interesting because at the beginning of 2006, I happened to appear on a local television program here in the Atlanta area. And one of the people who happened to see that program was at the time a district attorney. And she called me personally. <laughs> And it's so funny because she said her name so quickly and all I, all I heard was DA, the DA's office. And I thought, oh my God, I've only been here just a year and I'm, I'm in trouble. What did I do? Did I, <laughs> did I illegally park somewhere? Did I not pay a ticket? Oh my God, what did I do? I, I was freaking out. Mm -hmm. And she repeated herself. And that's when I realized, oh, she wanted, she was inquiring about my organizing services. And that uh, that was a true light bulb moment because now keep in mind at this point, I'm like 29, 30 years old, very naive. I didn't realize that businesses and organizations could also be disorganized, Kai. Mm. I know that sounds crazy now, <laughs> yeah. but in my mind, I'm thinking, what? Because I came from a world of engineering where mm. everything was very structured. There were processes, there were systems, there were procedures. And everything literally ran like a well-oiled machine. So I wasn't accustomed to environments outside of engineering. So that, that gave me the confidence to start to, to venture outside of people's homes and into actual businesses, brick and mortar type establishments. So I had to also shift the language from professional organizing 
to business infrastructure, because here's what I learned. Even when we watch these shows like Hoarders, for example, any time you see a, a, a dramatic transformation of some sort of someone's closet or their basement or their garage, they never, what, what can happen is if people don't learn the behavior or the systems that are required to not devolve back into a state of chaos, it'll just, it'll just become chaotic all over again. I happen to specialize in home offices. So most of my organizing clients were entrepreneurs who had home-based businesses. It wasn't that they were chronically disorganized by nature. They just needed systems and processes in place to keep everything organized. So the language, again, once I started working with other nonprofit organizations, larger corporate entities, government organizations, the language had to shift from professional organizing to business infrastructure, because we were really talking about putting in some foundational systems and processes and making sure the people and the tools and the technologies were all integrated so that everybody knew what needed to be done and it, 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 it could truly function and run as a well-oiled machine. Wow. Wow. That, that, that is super interesting. And another thing that you, that you said stuck out, which was, which was so funny is, is how naive you appear to be with not knowing how these businesses can be organized. Cause to, to me, I'm thinking like, yeah, in 2006, you would think that, you know, there, it seemed like there was a business, a new business was being born every day. But for some reason nowadays, as we stepping into, you know, 2021, seems like that same individual that would, you know, birth one business is now trying to birth two, three, four businesses at a time, not knowing the slightest idea on, on where to start. So for you, what were some of the focus areas that you wanted to really uh, pay uh, close attention to during the inception of Equilibria? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to speak very generically because I think these are such important points to make to anyone who is thinking about starting a business. Starting a business is, is, it's relatively easy. Maintaining it is what's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to go and register through the Secretary of State's office, register for your business's name, and you, you get your tax identification number from the IRS and, and, you know, doing some of those basic things. But if you don't have a fundamental understanding of how to keep your company's books, in other words, have a true accounting mechanism in place, you will get yourself in trouble very quickly. I mean, let's think about all of these people, Kai, who've been going after these PPP loans fraudulently, and they will be caught. It, it may not have caught up with you yet, but it, they will catch you. So make sure you have all of your I's dotted and all of your T's crossed. Even look at me. I have an, I have an MBA. I studied accounting. I studied corporate accounting. And I still, once I started my company and I, op- I, I purchased QuickBooks, I didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't know how to use the software. I was like, what on earth is, what is this? this? <laughs> yes, what is this? So I had to hire an accountant just to set it up for me. And then she said, okay, now you can start keeping it up. But to be honest with you, it's best if you can outsource that mm-hmm. because you don't want to get yourself in trouble. And the IRS isn't going to care if you say, well, you know, I tried my best. I thought I was educating myself and I thought I was doing the right thing. They're not going to want to hear that. Do yourself a favor and align yourself with people who have subject matter expertise in things that you don't Mm -hmm. accounting and book your bookkeeping being one of them, because there is nothing more tragic than to, to work really hard in your business. You know, you hit, you know, you hit the ground running, you're marketing and you're branding and you're on social media, you're doing speaking engagements and you're really putting your product or your service out there. And then you don't have, the accounting mechanisms in place to support everything. Mm -hmm. What a shame. The other thing that I would 
strongly recommend, which is also something that I did in the very beginning, is getting a very good attorney on your team. Someone who understands, and depending on the type of business that you're starting, you might want to get, there are some attorneys who are just general small business attorneys, but make sure they have a really good working knowledge of intellectual property. For example, you know, someone who can help you secure proper copyright protection, trademark protection. If you have, if you have a product, is it something that can be patented? Again, you can try to educate yourself on these things, but you just simply won't know the law the way that an attorney would actually know the law. So yes, educate yourself, read books, but don't attempt to do this stuff by yourself. Or if you do, have an attorney review it before you put it out there, even when you're drafting up your contracts. Mm -hmm. So if you you get your non-disclosure agreements in place, do yourself a favor and just educate yourself on what it means to actually own a business because it's one thing to be very good at your craft right it's another thing to know how to actually run and operate a business those are two totally different things it's very similar to when people say that showbiz is 90 percent it will 10 percent talent 90 percent business right mm-hmm. it's the same thing with any business even let's look at what you do for a living. It's, it's yes, you have to have some talent, but 90% of it is all of the other things that people don't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. It's having those systems in place, the accounting, the legal, having the right technologies. Get, do your, also do yourself a favor and align yourself with people who are, if you're not great with technology, you better get around some people who are. Because that's just simply how business is conducted these days. So if you don't like using your phone, if you don't like communicating through Slack or using Dropbox and Google Drive and a lot of these other collaborative digital technologies that are out there, you better align yourself with someone who does or who can. So those are just some some of the the things that I initially looked at Mm -hmm. in starting my business was how to find those other people who have that expertise and align myself with them so that they can keep me out of trouble. Right. <laughs> and ultimately save you a lot of time. Cause uh, Alicia, everything you said, the one thing that I, the main thing I got out of that, if I had to put it into one, one sentence is value your time over your money. And yes. I feel like a lot of times we, yes. we we value our money over our time. We're trying to cut corners and save mm-hmm. money here because, oh, I just dropped X amount to start the business. So I don't want to pay for an accountant or I don't want to seek legal advice or I don't want to do this X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, your time is much more valuable. And it makes if once you once a person understands that, I think the things that you mentioned, which are worth implementing, become even more worth implementing when they understand that. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's a millionaire's mindset. You know, we're on the million, million dollar mind podcast. That is how millionaires and billionaires think. They're not doing everything themselves. They delegate. They know the value of their time and they are not going to be sitting up here scanning papers, doing data entry into an Excel spreadsheet. They're not doing that. They're, they're making boss moves, like literally making boss moves. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so what would you say is, is more important for, for a new business? Is it focusing on the people or, or is it focusing on the metrics? Which should come first? Oh, see, I say both are important. Mm-hmm. You have to. So when you say people, do you mean that the team that you build? you know, the team. Yeah. That you're building like start you? starting out. Yeah. Focusing mm-hmm. on the team that you're like, it, it could be very different for a, a company like Coca-Cola versus a startup company, right? Mm-hmm. The people mm-hmm. that are involved, but as a new business starting out, you know, focusing on that, the people that you build around you is what I'm, what I'm talking about. Yes. That, that is, it's absolutely critical because that, that's what helps you having those additional people is what literally enables you to expand your capacity mm-hmm. you doing everything by yourself you're very limited in what you can accomplish 
but the more people you you bring around you and add to your team and and I want to make this clear too to the listeners I think sometimes when people think of business and they're starting up they and and building a team they automatically think employee but you don't have to have full-time employees you can build a team of independent contractors freelancers you can build a team of interns volunteers if 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 you have a nonprofit organization for example so you just have to be creative because a lot of times when you're starting out you you really have a limited budget you have to be very careful about how and where you you allocate those dollars so there is a way for you to build a team kind of on a shoestring budget but you absolutely have to start finding those people right away because that's what's going to enable you to attract you, you can't you can't have an abundant business if you're trying to do everything yourself right you have to expand your capacity and the only way you'll be able to expand your capacity is by bringing on more people and bringing on the right technologies to automate and streamline some of the things that you all do. Absolutely. That makes 100%. Uh, it makes a lot of sense just in general. And now once you find those, those people, do you feel like it's easier on, you know, taking down and uh, tracking the metrics as opposed to trying to do these things by yourself and tracking these metrics alone? So here's <clears throat> this is my philosophy because when I, when we talk about business infrastructure, it's literally a system for linking your people, your processes and your, your tools and technologies. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say they're, they're really all important and it's a constant balancing act. That's why my company is called (laughs) equilibria, you know, equilibrium Uh, is, is balance. mm -hmm. So it's, it's a constant balancing act. You can't, so here's the thing, Kai, you can't hire people and not have processes for them to follow. Because here's what's going to happen. You hire someone, they now need to be trained. They can't, they're not going to communicate telepathically. You have to show and tell them how to do the work. The best way to do that is to already have it documented. Or if you don't have it documented, as you start training that person, record yourself. You can get on a Zoom call. You can use your phone. Be creative in how you record yourself. You can then take that recording and you can actually have it transcribed into a procedure or a process so that when the next person is added to the team, you now have a documented process that someone else can follow. So if you don't have things documented, What's going to happen is that people are going to do things the way they want to do them, which may not be the way you want it to be done. But you can't get angry because you did not train them. You did not have it documented. And that's where the metrics comes into place. So once you document the way something, the way a particular task should be performed, you then have to set guidelines about, okay, now that we have this particular procedure outlined or documented, this is how I'm going to measure your performance of this process. That is the metric. Now, I'll, I'll give a quick example because so many people are familiar with social media. You might have a process for how you post on Instagram. This is your Instagram posting process. And you kind of set some loose guidelines you know, typically we will post around between these hours. This is this is the color scheme that we're looking for. The, these are the types of images that we use. You know, provide some guidelines. And you might say, you know what? The metric is we will know that this process is really working if we get X number of likes or if we increase our follower count by X or if we are able to convert X number of people, you know, who follow us into actual customers, whatever you think is a realistic metric that anybody who follows the process should be able to accomplish. 
hundred percent. And and that was that was a. I just I just hope everybody is even taking in everything that you just said because if you just listen closely, you're really dropping very key uh, key gems that will help a person go from the the nine to five side hustler to a full time boss uh, in literally right. whatever time frame they choose to you know to set for themselves. So I guess the the, the million dollar question that that I'm sure everybody is wondering, Alicia, you know, just giving your background is. What, what, what do you believe is the number one reason that businesses fail before three years? You know, that's a statistic that so many people stress <laughs> to a lot of people who say, oh, I want to start my own business. They say, well, get over that three-year hump because majority of businesses fail before their first three years. Why is that? There's so many reasons. Uh, the, the most obvious is you don't have enough customers, right? Mm-hmm. But I actually look at another issue that's not often talked about, Kai, and that is, what if you have the exact opposite issue? You have more customers than you can actually handle, Mm. okay? So again, that goes to a capacity issue. Right. Bandwidth. You've done such a great job at marketing and promoting and branding your product or your service that you have more business than you can handle. Now you're running the risk of, of failing because you don't have the operations and the business infrastructure to support that increase in demand. Now, let's think about what happened as a result of the pandemic. Remember how difficult it was to get toilet tissue and, and <laughs> hand sanitizer and, and masks in the beginning? They couldn't. There was a surge in demand. And these different companies that produce those products simply didn't have the capacity at that time to meet the demand. Eventually it leveled off. Eventually they figured it out. But if that goes unchecked for too long, your customers, no matter how loyal they may be, they will leave. I was just looking at Starbucks yesterday and there was a sign when I went through the drive-thru we apologize in advance for the inconvenience. We are out of several products because of our supply chain. So I was looking for some oatmeal. Didn't have it. And this is this has gone on for several weeks now. So imagine if they can't get a handle on that supply chain over an extended period of time. Well, if Dunkin' Donuts starts offering oatmeal and they say, you know, we never run out of stock. We always have oatmeal. So people are going to leave Starbucks and they're going to start going over to Dunkin' Donuts. So that's that's another reason why businesses can fail. They can also fail because they just don't have their acts together. It, it could be something like, it could be something as simple as an audit. And if you if your company fails that audit because a lot of businesses are heavily, they have to, they're, they're regulated. Mm-hmm. All it takes is for you to fail an audit. And that could be the end of your company right right there. Wow. And no um, one thinks about you know, that. No one talks about these things. It happens often, often. And that's these are the kinds of things that I address in my book. And that's why I call my book behind the facade because we've a you know we we can spend so much time trying to make our businesses look good on the outside. But when you peel back the curtain, like remember in The Wizard of Oz, when they they go to Emerald City and they're like, oh, my gosh, wow, everything is green and lush and beautiful. And they're thinking, oh, the the wizard must be this all powerful, all knowing being and and larger than life. And they pull back the curtain and he's just this frumpy old man. So so that's what happens with our businesses as well. We can spend so much time trying to project a a good image for our product and service. And it works because people are starting to line up and, and, you know, beat down our doors to do business with us. But if we don't have our acts together behind the curtain, underneath the hood, you will fail. Hmm. Wow. And um, one, one, a phrase that I've seen, come up uh, numerous times just from, you know, looking into, you know, some of your work and the things that you are involved in. 
I kept finding this phrase analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, what the, you know, help us understand what that means and, and why is that so harmful to, you know, business owners? So you have some people who don't measure anything. They don't look at metrics at all. And then you have some who become hyper obsessed about the numbers mm. and they, they, to their detriment. And they can get so far into the weeds looking at numbers that they they can't see the forest for the trees. And so you can spend so much time looking at those numbers and critiquing and analyzing them and spending all of the time to to pull the the information to be able to analyze the data that you, you never make a decision. You can't move forward. And we know with business, especially this is 2021 as of this recording, things move fast and it's not slowing down Mm -hmm. the the rate of technology and the advancements and you know you you invest in something or you implement a particular technology and just when you think you've got the hang of how it works it changes (laughs) or there's something new that comes onto the scene and now you have to kind of start all over again things move quickly so you have to be able to figure out what are the numbers that really matter that really paint a picture of the health of your company. That's what you need to focus on. And then, you know, if you, if you see a, a disturbing trend, for example, if, you start, if you're starting to see that your profit is starting to decrease month by month, and that's been going on for over four months, then yes, that's when you can start to take a deeper dive into even more data to try to figure out, well, well what's really going on? What's causing this? Mm-hmm. But at a very surface level, well, you need to make decisions very quickly. Try to figure out what are those key numbers that are going to tell me how my business is really performing. I, I love that. And I, I want to just say thank you for just giving us some context on what that means, because um, not too long ago, I actually uh, aired an episode where we talked about putting like the importance of just putting your people first um, as a, as a new business owner, especially. And I mentioned to, to the listeners on, you know, how, how dangerous it could be to only care about the metrics. And now that we're defining what analysis paralysis is, that is exactly what I meant by that. And I didn't Mm -hmm. want the listeners to take it the wrong way. You still want to focus on these metrics, but don't be that, that, uh, that boss per se, that is literally saying, to the sales rep, hey, you have to hit this number, you have to hit this number. And then when we see that they consistently cannot hit that number, we totally dismiss the fact that there is a possibility that there's something wrong within the business that is not allowing the salesperson to hit this number that we're right. you know, forcing upon them. So it, it sounds as a little bit of that's what that analysis paralysis. Yes. 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 It, you can you can get your head buried so deep into the numbers that it, it's, it paralyzes you and you, you, you do nothing, mm-hmm. which, which is, you know, probably even more dangerous. And, and you know, if I may, I'd like to share just a really quick uh, story with you. Mm-hmm. I, I had a very interesting conversation actually earlier today with someone who was part of the team that created Amazon Prime. And he said something to me that, that just kind of blew me away. He said, you know, Jeff Bezos never looked at numbers when, when he was starting out. It was about the innovation. It was about getting the systems and the processes down, to, he said, to where it literally ran like a machine. Mm-hmm. That's what he focused on. The numbers are going to come. But he, he, I mean, he obviously looked at them, but he didn't obsess over them. Right. So, you know, that's, that's the other thing I think, too, as, as startups when when people are just starting out they can it's so easy to compare yourself to other people and that's it's dangerous it's very dangerous because every business is different and comparison is is a is a surefire way to lead you to misery and making bad decisions very quickly focus on being the best at what you do focus on building top best in class company don't worry about what other people are doing you can read about it but don't obsess over it mm-hmm. don't constantly compare yourself focus on you 
and being the best that you can, being the best leader, the best CEO that you can be. And that's how you're going to build. That's how you get to build an Amazon. And, and, and here's the other thing. They are so operations driven. You know, Jeff Bezos is an engineer at the end of the day. So he's all about operations. So these companies don't get to be that big by accident. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something else to, to keep in mind for those who are listening to this right now. Well, well, I always, I always say, uh, Alicia, that, um, you know, comparison is the thief of happiness. You know, mm. anytime, we, anytime we get in a, in an environment where we're comparing ourselves, we start to lose that security and that confidence in what we're currently doing. And we just kind of forget all the blessings really that we, we've, we've uh, received within, you know, ever when we start comparing ourselves to others. So uh, that was very crucial. What you said there is just not getting so wrapped up about, you know, comparing yourself to what other people are doing in other businesses, but just focusing on the things you can control. Yes. Um, so, so with that said, I do want to switch gears just a little bit, um, have a little bit of a, of another icebreaker. So right here, I'm looking at um, Poddex, which is what this rapid fire segment is powered by. And I'm going to just choose five random questions, Alicia. Okay. I, I, and I just, I would, I would love for you to just kind of answer with the first thing that comes to mind, um, you know, just to kind of get an idea of, you know, who, who you are a little bit deeper. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So the first one is, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I, I was, I, once I looked at it, I was like, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> My greatest achievement, I'll say maybe out of things recently, I would say writing a book. Mm. Yeah, that, that that's definitely a, a huge achievement that a lot of people talk about doing, but never mm-hmm. actually do. Uh, so yes. when you actually when you actually finished <laughs> and and you letting people know like, hey, it's finally here. I, I I'm with you on that one. That is that is a great feeling to have. So yes, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. What's the what's the favorite thing that you've bought for yourself this year? Oh, a dress. This this a green dress. Um. And I had help purchasing it. And for the first time ever, I, I enlisted the services of a personal stylist. Mm. So, uh, yes, yeah, so, so far, that's been one of my favorite purchases this year. Oh, man. I, once you said stylist, you, I, I want to be like you when I, when I grow up. <laughs> have a stylist, somebody that could just take the guesswork out of everything. I know. So I could just look fly every day. Awesome. All right. What, what do you value most in your friends? Honesty. Honesty. That takes the cake for me as well. Honesty Mm. and and trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. All right. Which talent would you most like to have that you don't already have? Drawing. I wish I could draw. Wow. I do. I envy my husband can draw. I I can't. And I, that's probably why I'm married. (laughs) I'm just in awe of people who of, of artists in general. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and I know a lot of, you know, people who are engineer, you know, using a certain side of the brain and we don't, the, the stereotype is that we don't have an appreciation for the arts, but I, I do, I totally do. And I'm, I'm just in awe of any artist, mm-hmm. whether they're sculptors, painters. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for all of it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, shout out to all the artists out there. I'm sure they're listening to this and loving it because I know our artists feel underappreciated mo- more times than not. Oh, it's, it's something I, you know, it, yeah, the way they just come up with things. Um, and it just seems to, it, it comes to them so naturally. I'm, I'm, I'm just in awe of what they're able to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this last one is pretty interesting. If you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone, which ones would you keep? Ooh, Slack, mm. WhatsApp, and Oh, what's the name of the app? Oh my gosh. Waze. Waze. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now t- 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 tell our listeners a little bit about, about Slack and why that one's so important to you. I use Slack myself and I, and I love it as well. Slack is, Slack is an, basically an instant communication tool, instant messaging tool, I should say. 
mm-hmm. but it helps keep your teams all together. It, it creates a certain level of transparency in your communications that can oftentimes be lost in regular email. And a lot of times, if you just need a, a quick answer to something like, hey, Kai, what, what was that shade of green again that you said I should use in, on this particular brochure? He can, you can quickly respond in Slack, like within seconds. But if I sent you an email or even if it was a text message, you know, the other great thing about Slack is that you can organize communications into different threads or channels. Mm -hmm. So if you have, if you want to have a channel, that's all about your social media, you can have, you can create that and everything that that is discussed within that channel is all organized. It's right there. You can go back and search through things. You can add attachments. It actually integrates with other applications like Zoom. I can't speak highly enough of Slack. Awesome. Well, that that wraps up our um, our rapid fire portion. And I appreciate you for you know sharing sharing with us those five intriguing facts about you, Alicia. Um, <laughs> As, as we're wrapping up uh, today's show, I just want to, you know, take this time out to say I'm so thankful for, you know, you know, hopping on to the show and sharing with us your experiences and just giving our audience uh, some gems and just being such a catalyst that you've been so far. So um, before we wrap things up, I do have a couple of uh, last close, closing questions for you. And um, this one, help us out here. And how would you define uh, self-love? What, what does self-love mean to you? Loving yourself unconditionally and understanding, hmm, that's an interesting question. What is self-love? Self-love, yes, loving yourself unconditionally, liking liking who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And can you look at yourself in the mirror and can you without flinching (laughs) and can you go to bed at night with a clear conscience? to me that's self-love that is a good one especially uh the the going to sleep with a clear conscience i think it is hugely it's just important overall uh and many many benefits to you know going to sleep with a clear mind and being at ease and it just plays a huge role in you know the amount of rest that you get you can be sleep for eight hours but if you go to sleep with a with an unbothered or with a bothered uh conscious then that eight hours could easily feel like five uh, yes, we feel like we never get enough sleep, even though we sleep too much. <laughs> so that's 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 it. I, I agree with that 100 percent. Now, if you ran into 18 year old Alicia uh, on the street, what, what advice would you what, what advice would you give yourself? Trust in yourself, baby girl. Trust. You have you have the answers. Trust. Listen to yourself. If there, trust that gut feeling that nagging persistent thought it's been given to you for a reason listen to it 100 percent. i would i would say the same thing <laughs> i would say and and just not to go on a tangent uh alicia but um i did an episode with my with my brother tj who was a he's a medical doctor and he was telling us he was sharing us with us a um uh a hormone called cortisol i'm not sure if you're familiar with mm-hmm. it Mm -hmm. And pretty much cortisol is that gut feeling that we get is the stress hormone. So when we get, uh, when we get that feeling, oftentimes we should listen to it, right? Because it's, it's, it's coming there for a reason, right? And a lot of times we can stress ourselves into sickness and we focus too much on the stress levels, but a a healthy amount of cortisol, when you have those gut feelings, 100%, you should take it. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, Alicia, again, again, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I want to use this time for, you know, for you to plug yourself in. Tell us about any projects you have coming up, uh, some exciting news that you're super excited to share. I would love to, you know, hear more about that. Well, I have I also have a podcast and some exciting news about my show is that it recently became a part of HubSpot's new podcast network. Mm-hmm. And so if if your listeners aren't familiar with HubSpot, they have a customer relationship marketing software. So it's it's basically a free tool that you can sign up for to keep all of your the contact information for all of your clients, your customers, or just people in your network in an organized fashion. 
Uh, so they, they just recently started a new podcast network and they reached out to me and asked if I would want my show to be a part of it. So that is super exciting. And Kai, you, you have to come on to my show. Uh, the other exciting thing that I have going on is I recently accepted a, an, an adjunct instructor position at a school in Massachusetts called Nichols College. So I'll be teaching some operations management courses. So for those of you listening, if you ever want to learn a little bit more about some of the stuff that we've been talking about in this interview, reach out to me on social media. The best place to contact me is my personal website, which is aliciabutlerpierre.com. And that's A-L-I-C-I-A. B-U-T-L-E-R-P-I-E-R-R-E.com. And when you go there, it's kind of a hub for everything that I have going on. So you can link to my book. You can link to my consulting company, Equilibria. You can also link over to the podcast and you can see how we can connect across different social media platforms. So I want to thank you so much because you're, you're approaching a of an important milestone, your 100th episode, right? Yes, that is, that is a fact. So this is so exciting. I feel so special. And I just have to tell you, as an operations person, as a person who focuses on systems and processes, I want to applaud you because you, I can, you know, I don't even have to look at what you have going on in the background. I can just tell you run a tight ship, my friend. So kudos to you and you're doing a, an amazing job. And if there's anything that I can do to promote support, please let me know. Likewise. And, and I appreciate that a lot, Alicia. And I want to say congrats again for uh, everything that you're accomplishing as well with the, with the new position as a adjunct professor to the, uh, the kudos and the, the achievements that your podcast has been awarded. That's all amazing. And again, I want to say thank you for, you know, joining us today on this episode. Uh, for my millionaires out there, I want to say thankful for you, for you guys as well. It's just always amazing to have you a part of the show weekend week out and I want to say thank you in advance for just becoming the change agents that you're bound to become as you apply the principles that you heard today uh just from hearing from Miss Alicia Butler Pierre. So again Alicia it's been a pleasure having you on the show and with that said just remember to keep focused, build momentum and drive results so you can live above Hey guys, so thanks to you all, the Million Dollar Mind podcast has went global. The number one passion and attraction podcast in the world right now, with huge support from the UK, Ireland, France, Belgium, Tanzania, and of course the United States. With this accomplishment, we are getting bigger and better than ever. Now that said, we are soon incorporating video production and YouTube platform to the show so you guys can witness the podcast in full effect. You can now become a supporter of the Million Dollar Mind podcast by visiting the link in the description below. Share your support with me via email and you will receive a free gift. Tis the season to give. Peace.